I'm in Kendall and it's a little village of 830 people and it's four hours north of Sydney. And it's winter at the moment, so it's freezing here. Is it really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. North of yeah. Sydney. Wow. Interesting. Yes. I, I didn't know it yes. got that cold. Um, you know, compared to America, I guess it's not. <laughs> um, but still, you know, we get a frost in the morning on a, on a cold morning so that that's cold yeah <laughs> yeah well that's always weird because i i have had on my bucket list to go to australia fiona and i have never been there it's i'm so i've traveled to 40 countries and i haven't been to new zealand i've been to australia or new zealand wow well you've you've got to fix that <laughs> i do have to so how did you land up in kendall well um i was living in the blue mountains before mm. uh, in Little Hartley, which is the name of my record label, and it was it was actually um, it was actually a divorce. I, I moved in with my parents in Newcastle for a while, as you do. You know, you always go back right. to your parents' place. Yes. Um, you know, a, a grown adult of I was forty five at the time, and living with my mum and dad, and then and then I met um, Bass Sebastian Gross, is my my husband, um, my new husband, and he lived in Kendall. So of course. That's how I ended up here. Well, it sounds like a charming, just from the name, I can picture a charming town. It sounds like a charming place. It's beautiful. It's got a river that goes through the middle of it. It's 15 minutes to the ocean, so it's kind of up in, you know, the foothills of the Comboin Mountain. It's really lovely. Well, let me give people a little background on Fiona Joy. I'm, I'm so happy to be talking to you. I've been emailing you and seeing you on Facebook for years and I love all of your music and you are just you. such a special um angelic being your music Thank is you. <laughs> truly inspiring your voice is heavenly uh and this last year I mean you've just been going all around the world um you did this new age uh, supergroup flow which stands yeah. uh, for the names Fiona Joy, Lawrence Blatt, Jeff Oster and Will Ackerman and um, and of course, that was the great artist that did work with Wyndham Hill. And but you also um, got a chance to play New York Carnegie Hall with uh, yes. accompanying Deepak Chopra. Oh, I just love Deepak, and um, <laughs> yeah, got to do that. Um, you have so many beautiful, beautiful albums out, and you've been all reward so many, so many recognitions and awards that have been given to you. Um, and you've toured China three times. My gosh, that I want to hear. I know, we're going to talk about that and how that happened. And you've got yes. a you got a new release you're going to be doing also, don't you? Um, yeah, yeah. It just it seems to be just a constant uh, revolving door of writing, recording, releasing, and I've got CDs in every one of those stages at the yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. So it's just it's. You know, it, it's a it's a lot of work, but that's what I do, and that's what I love doing. So um, I, I I enjoy, um, you know, keeping busy and traveling a lot. Um, and and you've got to work with some wonderful people who love you. Um, including Jeff Haynes, who's with Pat Metheny. Um, yes. to- Tony Levine, which uh, who's with Peter Gabriel and Dire Straits. Um, and and many other. Oh, and I love always love Paul Winter Consort, and you get to play with Eugene Friesen, who was with them. Yeah, I've been very very blessed to work with amazing people, and of course, producer Will Ackerman. Um, very very blessed. I I think 
it's helped me um it's, it's helped to get you know obviously my music to a, a better standard you know working with that that level of session musicians um, but also it's been such a learning curve because i um I started writing music when I was eight years old. Oh, my. And I didn't really understand where my music fitted until I heard George Winston. Uh And that was when I was, you know, in my early 20s. And I suddenly realized that I was actually doing, I was writing new age music. So I feel like I I sort of fitted into that world, working with the Windham Hill people. And, you know, how one thing leads to another before you know it. That's the world that you're in. So I've I've been very fortunate. And and it's such a... You have such a blessing in your music and your voice. I really feel transported, and I've always, I've been researching more and more how healing and helpful music is, and um, and I feel it's so important for people to hear music that lifts their spirits, and that's what your music does. Thank you, thank you. Sometimes I feel like for me, it's a way of getting you know my thoughts and images and emotions down. You know, some people might use pen and paper, and I kind of do it at the piano. And, and I worry sometimes that it's it's my my expression of life, and sometimes even my sadness that goes into the music. And yet, often people find beauty and sadness, and sadness in beauty, vice versa. And so they'll they'll hear my music, which may be an outpouring of my own emotions, and they'll take that as being something something very beautiful. So it's it's interesting how music speaks to us all in a different way. Well, no, that's that is really true. Um and that's the magic of the music and, and what happens. I have to ask you the question since I do listen to this song every day 600 years. What is the story behind that song? Uh, what I wanted to do with that album was to take a handmade Australian piano and record it with ancient instruments from mm. around the world. So I wanted to sort of bring the bring the village into sort of a, a more global thing. So it was an, my answer to globalization in a way, in a musical sense. And um, so I wanted to bridge time, distance and history. And Will Ackerman, my producer, asked me exactly the same question that you're asking now. And he said, Fiona, just write it down. Just put it on paper. What, what are we doing here? We're bridging time, distance, history. So I said, well, I imagine that I'm standing on the shores of my ancestors, who are all Irish and Scottish, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm calling across the water. So, um, you know, 600 years and I'll be home. The end is is the beginning. You Mm -hmm. know, the winds may whisper. So um, so it's that idea of of standing on the shores and calling across the water through time, through through history, through distance. And, And that was where those words came from. Isn't that interesting? Six hundred years, and I'll be home. <laughs> so you really reached into your ancestral DNA and that thread, and in that song, and, and kind of made a um, a soul connection. Tried to, yes, um, yeah, and and I think that's why it's got that kind of eerie, reaching through time sort of feel to it, and that's also the Irish whistle because if you're using a contemporary handmade piano with ancient instruments then then in that in that song obviously the voice is the most ancient instrument of all so there's voices in that and there's also the irish whistle which is a very old irish instrument so Mm. yeah well it does definitely have that feeling and and you are a beautiful being um, not only in your soul but in your whole demeanor and body and looks and you just are able to carry that um, so, so, so well. And you've made a lot of friends, I mean, just by touring. 
Um, you tour, I mean, quite a bit this last year. You just finished a very long tour, didn't you? Uh, I did. I did. I spent nine weeks in the U.S. and we started at the New Orleans um, Jazz Museum and then we went to Seattle and then we played in San Francisco and then we um, played at the Grammy Museum in L.A. Wow. And then I'm going back in September and we're playing Nashville, um, uh, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, and then back to Carnegie Hall on the 28th of September. Oh, wow. So it's, it's a lot of touring and it's a lot of fun. And I actually quite enjoy being on the road. I think I might have a little bit of gypsy in me. Maybe that goes back to the DNA as well. <laughs> I, maybe, uh, you know what, you'd have to. You have to be able to love um, doing what you're doing. You and I think Walter, Walter Kellerman, um, he's always, because he's in South Africa, and he has to travel so far to get anywhere as well. And you, in Austra- And Australia yeah. is a long hop, you know, to get from there to New York, to Carnegie How long? How long a hop is it for you to go, or you just try to do something close by first? Uh, well, okay, interesting you ask that, because when I was flying home, I was in Vermont, which is the East Coast, so imagine that's you know, getting home from New York, same thing. Mm-hmm. It took me 52 hours door to door. That's not usual. <laughs> that's, that's not. Oh, <laughs> I know by the time I got home, I was a total wreck. Oh, but my. What happened was I had to fly through Charlotte and there was lightning. So the plane got stuck oh. on the runway. That meant that I missed my next flight. Because I missed that, I missed my connecting flight to <laughs> Sydney. So then I had to buy another flight and then it was another 24 hours. And I rang my PR person, Beth Hilton, who you know quite well. Yes. And she's amazing. And I said, Beth, 1 o'clock, 1 a.m. this morning, can, can I come? Do you mind if I catch a taxi to your place and sleep on your couch? And she was amazing. She was there. And she was, greeted me with, you know, fruit and yogurt. Because and, I was Aww. just, it was ridiculous. It was crazy. I'd started at you know, six that morning and then at 1, 1 a.m. the next day I land at, at Beth's place and I've still got to get home to Sydney. So it's a long, long way. It it's is. It's hours it, just to L.A. from Sydney. Oh, my gosh. So, and you know, I yeah. have I have a book and actually I just did an audio book called How to Fly with Less Stress, which has meditations, <laughs> relaxation <laughs> exercises you can do in the seat of your plane. you got to get it. we got to get it to you. Um, because it, it's it's very very hard on the body as well. Um, what do you yes. do? What do you, wearing these long fly, do you just listen to your music or do you listen to music to zone out? What's your trick? Uh, what I try and do is I get to the airport early enough, mm-hmm. always early enough to go to one of those express bars, mm-hmm. and I have a thirty minute um, neck, shoulder, and back massage. So that when I get onto the plane, mm. um, you know, as soon as the plane takes off, you get your meal fairly quickly, mm-hmm. and then I just try and I try and go to sleep. If I, if I can't go straight to sleep, I just watch a movie and then I'll sleep the rest of the way. But fifteen hours is such a long distance. <laughs> <laughs> it, it absolutely is. So, what were you were you doing your um, CD flow on? Uh, what were you featuring on this this last trip? Uh, the last trip was a little bit of everything. I recorded an album with Blue Coast Records, um, which is a, a high-resolution album um, recorded to DSD, and it will be released mm. as a super audio CD. Oh. And that was Blue Coast Records are content partners with Sony for high-res, and they're based in San Francisco. So I spent a week there and recorded an album. Then I oh. did four songs with 
I did the tour with Flo and then I recorded for a week with Flo towards the next album. And then I recorded for another week on my own um, independent label, Little Hartley Music, for my next, um, yeah, for my next album, my next studio album. So three albums in the works and a tour, and it took it took nine weeks. Plus, I did a concert myself in New York. You can do an album so, in a week, huh? No, oh, that's just... I just I just got the piano down. Okay. <laughs> it's like wow, that's pretty impressive. Um, I have yeah. a little bit of piano music. We're going to play. Um, this is from Into the Mist. Um, this is the audio file edition, but we're going to be hearing it here on. And we'll talk a little bit as we listen to this here. Uh, this one, again, is very mystical, kind of misty. What's the story about Into the Mist? Uh, Into the Mist um, is, it's kind of, once again, you know, it's, it's obviously about mist and water and, and that kind of, that veil. of it. I was really thinking about Scotland. Oh. I've never been there. <gasps> you haven't been? When he was... No, my grandfather immigrated to Australia when he was eight years old. So it's a direct line. You know, he, he's from Stirling in Scotland. And somehow or other, once again, back to the DNA, I do, do feel quite connected. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of reference in my work to that whole Celtic thing. Well, you know what? I, I You have to go. You have to go. I haven't been there in a while, but I loved... Uh, I went to Ireland a couple of years ago. I'd been to Scotland before that. And I know I have that in my roots and DNA. And I'm... You know, there's this amazing feeling when you get to a place that you have always felt connected to and you finally get there. It's almost like that, what you said, coming home. It's almost like that coming home feeling. Um, and yeah, I know yeah. I know that you will resonate with that. Um, of course, you have to go to the right time of year. Talking about getting cold, <laughs> you don't want to go to yeah. Scotland in the winter time. I don't think. <laughs> don't be... I? Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and no, it gets <laughs> maybe, cold. Maybe, it gets cold maybe in it's Scotland. Part-time DNA, just summer months only. <laughs> <laughs> I, you have this uh, very mystical, ethereal um, sense about your your playing and your music and your whole being, which is just. Very, very lovely. So, so this Thank last you. tour, um, how do you, when you're doing a tour like this, is it's kind of, oh, I'd say it's, it takes a lot of stamina um, to be on that road it that does. long. How do you stay centered when you're doing that much traveling? It does take a lot of stamina. And I think the thing that exhausts me the most is that when you go on stage, you give, you give your heart and your soul to the music, to the audience. And you, you feel a little bit flat sometimes afterwards, particularly the next day. You wake up and you sort uh-huh. of you've got to feel I... yourself back up. Uh-huh. And you've got to feel yourself back up in, in a way that you can um, have something to give to the audience the next night. Mm-hmm. And that, for me, is the hardest, the hardest thing. And yet I love that challenge. You know, I've got a little mantra before I walk on stage. That um, that I say, dear God, you gave me this gift. Please help me to share it with the audience as best I can. Mm-hmm. And that way, I don't put too much stress on myself for being nervous, you know, with mistakes and that sort of thing. It's, and it's not about me; it's about giving the music. Mm-hmm. But just in that process of giving the music, it, it is completely exhausting. And it's interesting. I've talked to Will Ackerman about that, and he feels um, a very similar thing. Yeah, so, so you just turn it over to God, and you just do what you're doing as a channel for that music. Yeah, yep, yep. You just do the best. You just give everything that you've got to give on that day. And sometimes, 
you know, I wish I could work out what makes a great performance so that I could bottle it, but mm. I never can. You know, sometimes I, I can be really tired and not feeling that great and I'll do a great performance. And then other times mm-hmm. I'm completely honoured. I've had lots of sleep, you know, and, and I, I just won't connect quite as well. And I'm never sure whether it's the piano, the space, the audience, me. Um, but, you know, I, I really give everything I've got on any in any one given performance to do the best that I can on that day. I think and, it's, and that is the most exhausting thing. Well, I think it's a little of all of the above. Even when I write every morning, I meditate and I write every morning. And sometimes I'm just sitting there going, well, I don't know what I'm going to write. What's What am I going to write? Maybe, yeah. I sh- maybe I shouldn't even write today. And then I just start, start and then something else takes over and... Whatever comes yes. through, I'm going. Well, where did that yep. come from? I didn't. I I didn't feel inspired. I didn't know that I felt inspired. But then this stuff comes exactly. out. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's... Sometimes it's there, and sometimes it isn't. And when it's there, you you go with it, and you just you just take it as a gift. And when it's not there, you just say, well, there's there's no gift today. So today, I'm going to do scales and piano practice and keep my fingers moving. And um, yeah, it's it's the weirdest thing. It, sometimes you almost feel like. There's an angel sitting on your shoulder. Yeah. You know, there's somebody that's that's channeling something through you, so that you're just the conduit. But um, it, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting thing, and and that artists and writers like yourself, we all talk about the same thing. Mm. So Wait, I wonder what it is. <laughs> well, speaking of an angel sitting on your shoulder, what was it like? I think Deepak Chopra is an amazing being, and. Um, what an inspirational man! What was it like, and what were you doing with him at, at the Madison at the Carnegie Hall? Um, he has such a lovely, lovely aura about him. Um, well, we were actually recording a forty-minute um, live TV show that went out to, to his audience, which is something like you know fifty thousand people live. Wow! Um, just you know, like listening to it live, and then of course it's it's there ongoing and probably has had millions of people watch it so I was part of the house band so I was I was playing with uh, Will Ackerman and uh, Tom Eaton and Jeff Oster and we were just we were really just channeling we were getting into this zone into this kind of groove zone while these beautiful meditations and chants and, and poetry were being read over the top of what we were doing and we were literally improvising but but we were when it was it was interesting because we did it for about 20 minutes we played while the the poetry was going on and the meditations and then at the end of it we didn't want to stop Mm. we were just in this kind of zone where Mm -hmm. we were almost in another world it was really it was really lovely it was a really beautiful experience did you hear his um release that was out last year called home that he did with paul yes and was, yeah. wasn't now talk about it. that yeah. was so it's so inspirational and so yeah beautiful. that was lovely and that that's that was the time of the release that that's basically the project that we were um a lot of it was about that project so um, How yeah, wonderful. really really lovely work and uh and you also and i have to talk about this because you know what i love interesting jewelry and you started <laughs> a line fiona joy jewelry and it's kind of very upscale. Is it pronounced Swarovski? Swarovski crystals. Swarovski yeah. crystals. And then it's got little love hearts with Fiona Jewelry. And it's really cute. It's oh. foot jewelry because I play barefoot when I play the piano. So uh-huh. often I'll, I'll put this foot jewelry on 
and um, and then at least you know at least your feet don't look quite. We call I'm calling them barefoot sandals. Oh, I They're like really that. Sweet. They're really lovely, and then I've got a matching wrist bracelet because when I play the piano, you know, you're sitting sideways to the audience. There's not a lot happening. There's mm-hmm. really only your clothes and jewelry. There's not a lot of movement when you play the piano. So I try and have some sort of crystal, um, something that catches the light that's on my wrist, and, mm. and that's that's why I wear this particular jewelry. And it's been very popular because it's you know it's really sweet. It's really pretty. So is that on your website, FionaJoy.com, or is that a separate thing? I believe it is on my website, and mm-hmm. I know I'm fairly certain it's available on my Facebook shop. Mm, not sure. Definitely on my website, FionaJoy.com. Mm-hmm. You'll find the jewelry there. And, and um, you know, it's funny because I was um, – actually, my father was born in, in Prague, and I was back there, and I – I always have loved crystals on top of that, but they have beautiful crystals, uh, crystal jewelry in Prague and everything. And I love crystals. I do. I mean, they I way captures the light. The roof, oh, <laughs> yeah. No, it's absolutely beautiful. So I, I, I appreciate the fact that with your busy schedule, you were able to also uh, create, create a, <laughs> a line of jewelry, which is nice. Very nice. Now, um, here I'd like to do more of it. Yeah, I, I enjoy doing that sort of thing. Well, you know, it sounds like your life is so very, very busy, though. I mean, here you are doing all these projects, but also on the road. When you get back to your hometown, finally, um, of Kendall, um, what yes. what do you do to kind of kind of just reconstruct yourself to uh, get back to enjoying your place? And I imagine you're always very happy to come home as well, right? Yeah, I, I, it takes me a week just just even to unpack my bags. I, I usually <laughs> yeah. sort of, you know that expression, crash and burn? Yes. That's what happens when I get home. I've, I've usually done so much overseas that I am run down physically mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and mentally. And I it takes me a month really to get my strength and get myself back on track and start um being productive but the weird thing is that the more vulnerable I am the more likely I am to write music Mm. so often some of my best music comes from that sort of period where you're exhausted and you're a little bit flat you know you're just a little bit overtired Um, and sometimes my best music comes from that so I try not to complain too much about the downs Mm-hmm. You know, because you've got the ups and the downs, because the music has to come from somewhere, and sometimes that's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, there's that old, in the Zen philosophy, a lot of just sitting there and not speaking and sitting and sitting and sitting and sitting for hours yes. comes to the point where you can just kind of have that breakthrough as well. So there is yes. something to that when your guard yeah. is down and you're, like, exhausted <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, you get a little <laughs> bit more contemplative, you're digging, you're reaching a little bit deeper, there's something about that that state of vulnerability that brings you closer to art, and I don't, I don't, you know, I, I almost don't like it because it's not a great way to live your life, having to be a little <laughs> bit down or a little bit anxious or a little bit overtired to connect more with art. But you know, I, I actually said once to to Will Ackerman, whatever will happen to me. If I get happy, will the well of music dry up? Ah. Because everything I write's in a minor key, and it's all very sad uh-huh. and digging very deep. And um, and he said, "No, Fiona, the well of music won't dry up. You'll just discover, you'll just discover the major key. You know, you'll just start writing happy music." <laughs> 
And I've written a couple of happy songs, but I can say I can count them on one hand. <laughs> well, you know, I you know, there's a difference between down and introspective. You know, um, yes. I I don't feel any of your music is down. Um, I feel You're it's all right. very yes. introspective and connected to your soul. And and I've never felt any of your pieces were down at all. Um, reflective, yes. Introspective, yes. Um, so I, I don't think you're in that space ever, although it must have been hard because you did go through a divorce. And I have to say, knowing many musicians and artists, some of their, their good works come through hard situations that they're in, you know, um, because that yeah. is an, a creative <laughs> outlet, right, that happens, that does um, really connect you when you are down and you're looking for help, and that comes through the music many times. Yeah, and you, you particularly hear it on my last album, which I'm not sure if you've got a copy of it yet, Story of Ghosts. It was only just released a few weeks ago with Blue Coast Records, and Story of Ghosts is actually about my year last year, which was actually pretty awful. I mean, I mean we all have years like that, uh-huh. you know, where you lose a close friend and and, and, and you lost you know, a very close friend. There was a story. You wanted to share the story of that one? Yeah, I did. I, I had a business partner, um, Dunny. You know, I went to boarding school with her, and we were, you know, we were we were best friends, and we were working together as well. And she passed away last May, and that was that was really really sad and really hard for me because you know we're the same age and mm-hmm. we have children the same age. So that was that was last year. And um, my husband's father, who I was very close to, passed away just before that. So it was just one of one of those years mm-hmm. where, you know, and a few other things happened. One of one of my sons had a, had a few few issues as well. Mm-hmm. And I turned you know real life into art, and I wrote Story of Ghosts, and it's got titles like Story of Angels, Story of Ghosts, Story of Insanity, and um, you know I just kind of channeled all of that thinking very deeply about how that affected me and and just channeled it into music you know and it's interesting because i'll write try to write as uh, as positive as i can and everything in new ages you know positive vibrations which i totally (laughs) appreciate but sometimes i'll write things about how difficult or weary or tired i'm going and 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 people relate to that more it's like oh okay i can really relate to that you know (laughs) Yes, so, it's the real life as art, and you know what? There is beauty in sadness, and I think sometimes if you, if you've got enough distance between you and whatever it is that's been an issue in your life, you can bring the beauty out of it, and you can, um, you know, pass on a positive message. I, I guess, I guess that's what what we're all trying to do is write it down and t- turn it into a story that other people can relate to, and that's never an ugly thing because nobody wants to listen to ugly music so you've, you've really got to turn it into something beautiful that still tells tells that story now instrumentals mainly but singing as well right yes i do i sing and mostly i use voice as instrument which is what we do in new age mm-hmm. um, but i do have some singer songwriter songs as well um, but it's it, in new age it's also a little bit different because there's going to be less words and it's more more as a layer, I guess, than, than you would have, say, in folk music or pop music. Um, so it's, it's using the voice in a different way. Well, you have a lovely voice. I mean, you have an well, absolutely... Thank you very heaven- much. Oh, I, and, that, and again, in that song, 600 Years, um, it's, again, very ethereal, beautiful voice, you know. Somebody and- actually, for the first 
time. Like I've always wondered why do people tell me I've got a beautiful voice? You know, I, I, I'm not that, you know, um, <laughs> I'm not that sure about it at all really. But um, Will uh, picked it and so did somebody else that I have a harmonic overtone when I sing. Oh. So it's almost like that whole Tuvian thing of you sing one note and you, there's a second note that comes out and it's a oh. fifth and it's an overtone and, and I've heard it a couple of times now. Interesting. So there's something different about when I sing, and I don't know whether it's every note I do. I've never explored it. I've never listened to it. But even uh, Tom Eaton mixing has said it sounds like there's multiple voices there. That's very – well, talk about ghosts, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, go. if you listen to Once Upon Impossible uh-huh. of Signature Synchronicity, that's just me singing uh-huh. by myself. No auto-tune, nothing, but it sounds like there's multiple voices. That's amazing. That's the song to listen to, but to hear I that will. example. So let's talk about Australia, because this is a place I haven't been. and I, But I I mean, I must have four travel books that I bought about it, because I was going to go, and then <laughs> something came up and I couldn't. But the Blue Mountains, I mean, that's supposed to be one of the most amazing places to go that many people love to travel to. Um, and, of course, yes. you go to Sydney, and some people, of course, don't give themselves enough time, which is part of the problem. You yes. need, need a lot of time. Tell me about the yes. Blue Mountains now. What do you know? And what, Tell me about your story about being in the Blue Mountains. Well, the Blue Mountains um, are two hours west of Sydney, and the highest point is 3,000 feet, and that would be, say, Katoomba, Blackheath. But just re- really, really beautiful mountains. Um, with a, they're called Blue Mountains because the oil that comes off the top of the eucalyptus trees gives it kind of this blue hue from a distance. So it really does look quite, quite blue. They really do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and, and they've got a lovely feel to them. You can do beautiful walks down into valleys and canyons. And the Three Sisters, of course, are just gorgeous because they're quite sort of a red color. And you just get these... Um, you get these kind of amazing vistas and colours. And I really, I always felt that the Blue Mountains are a very special place. Um, we're going to be going back there. My husband and I are going to do some walking because it's a great place to, you know, try and get fit how, <laughs> going how, up and down mountains. <laughs> when, you do a, when you do a walk in the Blue Mountains, how long do you walk for when you go out there and say you're going to do some hiking? Well, there's one particular walk and it's a thousand steps. So you start in Katoomba at Echo Point and you walk down the thousand steps and then you walk along the valley floor for about 45 minutes. And at the other end, there's actually um, a cable car that's um, still there from back in the mining days where, the, where you used to go down to the mine in the, in the cable car. It's still there. So you go back up on the cable car. And then usually you can't walk for about a week afterwards because your legs hurt so much. <laughs> I think that sounds like a very nice thing to do, actually. It's a great thing to do. That's what we're planning. I couldn't planning walk up a thousand steps, but I might be able no. to walk down a thousand steps and walk across. Oh, eventually. you know, you've walked down a thousand steps, believe me. The really? Next day. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Are, are they easy steps or are they slippery? Do you have to watch your step on each step? Um, they're not slippery, but they're very, very uneven because oh. they've been cut into, you know, sandstone and rock. Uh-huh. And there's something to hold all the way down. Uh-huh. But a lot of them are quite large steps, so you're really using your leg muscles. Oh. Otherwise, you're just going to hurt your knees. It's not an easy, it's uh-huh. not an easy um, walk at all. You need good shoes, right? You need good knees. Good shoes, good, knees, good, good leg muscles. I, I don't think I want to damage my knees on a hike that, that that would do that. I mean, I can almost feel it, right? I was like, oh, my God. You know, you get down 400 steps and they're going, 
what do I do now? <laughs> you know, I've yeah. got to keep going yes. down. I'm not going to walk up 400 steps. Yeah, um, you kind of get to the middle point where you're totally committed. You've just got to keep going. <laughs> um, but it's so beautiful, and, and I tend to not stop. So yeah. um, Just keep you, going. You can do it slowly. You can sit down on the way, and you can you know smell the roses, as they say. But I tend <laughs> to just sort of go 100 miles an hour and <laughs> do it way too quickly. <laughs> but it's going to be cold because you're going there in a few weeks, you said. So it's winter. It's going to be um, cold, right? Well, actually, I'm going in October, so it's... It's going to be a oh, lot warmer. Oh, good. And and where do you stay when you go? Do you just stay with friends? Do you stay in a bed and breakfast, or what do you do? Uh, the violinist that plays on a lot of my albums, she's, she lives in the Blue Mountains. So often I stay with Rebecca Daniel. Mm-hmm. She, she used to be in the Australian Chamber Orchestra. So she's, we've actually got a concert this weekend in um, Warhope, which is nearby. So, so Becky lives up there, and that's a perfect excuse for me to go and, and visit Becky and stay at her place. Wonderful. Now, <laughs> now if you're going to recommend to someone a place to stay there, where would you? Because I, I am going to get there one day, and hopefully soon. Um, what would you recommend? Where do you recommend staying up there? Um, well, it always comes down to budget. If mm-hmm. you want to go high end, mm-hmm. uh, there's the Fairmont is really beautiful, or any of the hotels at Echo Point are really lovely. Echo Point. Uh, but I often, I often just go Airbnb. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because there's lovely little houses, gorgeous little you know, little places to stay mm-hmm. and just find something that, that's got a nice view and there's views everywhere. Wonderful. Now, yeah. do you have good transportation getting around or what ways do you get around? Obviously, you've got a car, but if you do, do you ever do, um, you know, you don't obviously don't lift that far, but how, how do, what kind of transportation do you like to take when you're getting around Australia? I go by car or plane. It's a very big country. Yeah. The footprint of Australia is the same as the U.S., mm-hmm. so that gives you an idea of how you know how yeah. long it takes to fly across the country from, yeah. say, Sydney to Perth. It's a long way. Um, so we do have a good train system. You can catch a train from Sydney up to the Blue Mountains very, very easily. Oh, really? Um, you, you don't need a car. Uh-huh. Um, or once you're there, you know, it's, it's easy enough to get around. Uh-huh. Um, but I, you know, I, I drive everywhere because where I live is four hours the opposite direction. So, you know, it's out out in the country, and and the trains, you know, take four hours to get to Sydney. So I tend to get in my car and play a CD and work <laughs> or make notes or make edit notes while I'm driving. Left side of the road. Uh, yes, yeah, the opposite to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you have <laughs> Do you have a problem when you rent cars and drive in America, getting on the right side? I never have a problem in America because I learnt to drive in America. I lived there when I was 21, and my first car I had in America. So for some reason, I go back there and it feels normal. When I come home to Australia, I will often pull out on the wrong side of the road. Interesting, interesting. I have to actually get myself into the space here. Whereas over there, it's natural to me. That's really strange, isn't it? <laughs> no, it, no, it's it's very, very, very interesting. And when you do things in places like New York, um, do you like to stay in big hotels? Or do you like to prefer small, or, or you go Airbnb? Or what, what's your comfort for traveling and staying in hotels? Um, anything, depending on budget, anything from couch surfing through to the Knickerbocker on Times Square, depending on who's paying the bill. <laughs> well, that is something to think about, you know, and I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, when you're traveling a lot, the expense of traveling can really add up, yeah. obviously. 
I mean, yeah, yeah. It it really does come down to budget. What, what concert I'm playing, how much they're paying me. Uh-huh. Um, it varies. My my favourite place to stay is the Knickerbocker on Times Square. I love that hotel. Um, it's you know it's really lovely, and it's just a quick walk up to Carnegie Hall. You know when you when you're playing there, but. New York is horrendously expensive. I can't believe. Well, I was like, I went to the Grammys this year, and it was in New York. And of course, Mm -hmm. being from Maui, living now in Maui 30 years, I'm used to it being warm. And I have to say, going from 80 degrees down to 13 degrees was really, really hard. And um, Mm -hmm. I ended up staying at the Marriott and in uh, Times Square. And it, it was fine. It was really, they were very nice. And a lot of people were staying there from the Grammys. And but it was really quite a trip walking around. I mean, you know, I don't know. I think I was on the 34th floor or something. But, you know, we don't have any hotels that big on Maui. So, and there's so much <laughs> going on, right? You know, and you go to Madison Square yeah. Garden, it's like, my gosh, you know. So um, it, it, it was quite yes. quite interesting, and the energy level is so different than here. But, but it, you know, when you're a musician and sensitive like you are, you have to really kind of have, like you said, that gypsy spirit, I think, to be able to maintain your um your energy field because you know you got to be performing and being able to get back in that no matter what else what yep. you've been going through you know and you have to like just being by yourself and I think that is the most restorative thing is you know I'm happy to go back to a motel room by myself yeah and be in my own space and that I find that quite grounding so as much as I say I like being a gypsy and going in and out of airports. I think it's probably the ability to sort of move through the world by myself in my own space and totally independent is what keeps keeps me quite grounded. You know, I'm not looking for other people all the time. That's that's not my thing. Well, it's <laughs> always interesting on piano because obviously you're not going to take your piano with you. Um, yes. And, and there no. you are with the piano, You got and you're subject to what I'm sure <laughs> Carnegie Hall is a very good piano, but I imagine you're subject to all kinds of different pianos you've got to play. Um, yeah, and that's a really good point. Everybody else gets to take their instrument, and I have to play whatever I'm given. And sometimes you would you would think a really beautiful space would have a really beautiful piano, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes the action's quite firm; it's um, you know hard on your fingers. Other times, you know, like I actually played at quite a big venue in Boston once. And there was a missing note. Oh, no. You know, like in the bass. There was oh, a no. note that <laughs> that just got stuck down, and it was a brand-new piano. I won't tell you the make um, because I'm sure it's not their fault, but something had happened, and this note got stuck down. And that's the sort of thing that you have to deal with, and you just have to be able to roll with it. Another time, the piano had been tuned not to 440. I think it was maybe more like 443, which uh-uh. might be, um, you know, for a concert performance with an oboe, you'd tend to... to tune the piano a little bit higher but the rest of the band are all tuning to 440 yeah. so you never quite feel like you connect with what everyone else is playing so wow. you have to be able to cut off what they're playing focus on what you're doing and know that there's something about the vibration that's not quite right wow. and you don't have any choice because yeah. you have to play the piano you're given Wow, interesting. Well, it's wonderful talking to you. I mean, really, I, I just love your music, and you're such a wonderful uh, person as well. And and I know well, you're, you. you know, you're what four hours behind me, and the next day tomorrow. So yes, I appreciate like that. <laughs> I appreciate you doing the math. Um, and when when you come out to uh, Hawaii or Maui next, we'll we'll have to have you come stay and play. 
I would love to do that. I'd really love to do that. That would be wonderful. Oh, yeah. No, there's, there's, you know, Peter Cater lives here, and we do yes. have some nice, yeah. uh, wonderful musicians. Um, Carlos Santana wow. has a house here, but he's on the road a lot. But we have Mick Fleetwood, and, and um, many wonderful musicians actually loved uh, Stephen Tyler and others. Um, love to live here. It's it's a very wonderful, beautiful place on Maui. But again, it's not an easy place to get to other places from because we're right here in the middle of the Pacific. So we always have to yes. be flying somewhere in between. You know, even going to New yeah. York was like, oh, this is a long flight. You know, to, uh, you know, and, and it's a change of worlds, isn't it? As oh, you were uh, saying, you know, it's a different world. So we're going to see next. Your next release will be out when? Um, my next well, uh, story of Ghost is just just come out i'm just sort of promoting that one at the moment okay uh the next release the one that i've just recorded the piano for uh the album's going to be called moving through worlds and it's got you know a song that i wrote when i was 12 years old called for the roses which i will be recording um again mm. uh I, it was it was on my first album which was a keyboard album so i never quite did that song justice and i sort of wanted to do almost like a like a retrospective in the sense that you starting from the beginning of your career and having a smattering of songs throughout mm-hmm. your career right through to improvisations you do on the day. So it really is a representation of my career, but with some totally new songs in there as well. Um, and that's I've, I've recorded the piano for that at the moment, and I'm just... Um, just working on on funding and you know crowdfunding and sponsorship so that I can complete the album and I'm hoping for this time next year or maybe you know by the end of next year. And people can go to fionajoy.com see yes, all the amazing can... releases that you have out. Check out her beautiful uh, crystal jewelry and uh, get an you. idea of what um, you're up to and um, it's a real treat. I, I just really have to say thank you. I'm going to play a little bit of your music here for a minute as we go out and and um, thank you so much to call in from all the way from australia great talking to you and connecting thank you cindy for having me i feel very blessed thank you aloha <laughs> aloha nice talking to her fiona joy really truly a, a beautiful person beautiful singer um, beautiful pianist and um, i want to recommend also you checking out um Fly, How to Fly with Less Stress. It's on Amazon now. You can get it as a book. You can get it as a Kindle. You can get it as an audiobook. All three available. And um, I think it's really helpful with what we see happening with the travel industry and flying these days with the seats getting tighter and tighter and more and more people jammed in. It's really nice to be able to find something to read or listen to that's going to reduce stress and bring you a little peace of mind and a time to actually retreat in a nice joyful zone. Thank you for listening. A big aloha.